All right, all right, all right. You are not Matthew McConaughey. I want to be. Well, doesn't everybody? Do you know that that was the first lines he ever spoke in the movies? That was his first official lines. No way. Yep. Yep. I uh, I actually heard a pretty cool interview with him in there, and so uh, yeah, he's a cool dude. I I I like McConaughey, man. You he's know? running for Texas governor, you know. Is he? Yeah. Or well, he's exploring the possibility. I think. Okay. I don't know what his politics are, so I, I think that's going to be the phrase on his posters. Is it? <laughs> I don't know. Hey, hey, hey! Vote for me. Hey now, hey now, hey now! All right, we should uh, we should move along. Um, I was. Yeah. I was talking to you, Chad, about how important it is to have the right team around you. You can never do it alone. One and one doesn't make two. It makes 11 if you're with the right one, right? So we were lucky enough to have this sort of running obsessed, you know, fool who decided that he wanted to be a part of R3 in a major way. And I'd like to talk about Ethan Hardacre today, but Chad, why don't you make the introduction about about him on our team and what he's doing for us? Uh, well, what's funny is, you know, you start a business. Well, first of all, we didn't know we were starting a business when we started this business, but we started it and decided it was going to be a business. And, and uh, you do some things and I do some things and Bill does some things. And um, we were trying to figure out uh, how we could do more things, just sort of throwing that out. Is to everybody the keeping up with that concept? This is getting technical, you know, because yeah, yeah, thanks. You know, science. Uh huh. Okay, it is science. Uh, and uh, it was kind of out of the blue, at least from my end. It's kind of out of the blue that that Ethan uh, reached out and said, "Hey, I can do things." <laughs> And we said, wait a second, those are the exact things that we're looking to have done. Right at the time when, honestly, we were kind of drowning. We we didn't really know what to do because you say we're new to this. I mean, obviously, done brick and mortar for 20 years. If I do say so myself, it was successful. And you helped me with that success. But this was completely new territory for us. And we're a couple old fools who don't know really well okay you know a lot more than me okay but when it comes to like marketing and social media and stuff and the thing is look i feel like we really do have the right intentions and we really want to get people to that next level and we want to help them we wanted to make it affordable we did all this stuff for our program on the back end and i i just am so happy with what we did but on the front end of things it's like you know we Neither one of us really are we, up with the times. There. Well, uh, it's not just that, but, but you know, you can only do so many things at the same time. You can either uh, uh, tie your shoes or you can run. You can't do both at the same time, and we were trying to do both at the same time. We were trying I can to do develop. one of those two. Can you? Period. Oh. I mean, <laughs> you know, that's why I have my speed laces. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Yeah. You just use Velcro? Yeah, um, that's right. All right, we, uh, should, we should talk about it. Yeah, yeah, but but – so we're developing this product and we're trying to put in the systems and the infrastructure to deliver this product and and we've got no 
nobody really significantly letting people know that we have this product and we're we're trying to do this product. Anyway, this is a long, dumb introduction to a much smarter man than all of us, Mr. Ethan Hardacre. Hi, Ethan. Hi. So, uh, yeah, long story short, I do some things at R3 now. Um, yeah, I've taken over sort of the social media end of things, um, trying to make everything all pretty and and work well for people. Yeah, no, people have actually given me some comments in the last month, especially. It's like, oh, man, I never I never uh, thought you would get on board with the social media. And, uh, you know, I said, oh, yeah, no, I still haven't. But uh, <laughs> no, I, I do look at things. But, you know, again, like Chad said, really, I don't have the the time for it. And we also know that, of course, a lot of these programs have somebody managing these things. They have maybe three editors for videos alone, right? And so having somebody like you that also has been a part of our system for so many years. So uh, Ethan, that's what I think is super important. Yeah, yeah. We you know, we should we should say that he's been with uh Pendola project since he was a sophomore in high school. All right. And uh, how old are you now, buddy? Um, just turned 23. Oh, my goodness. So a, you don't a look a day now. over 14. Yeah. Oh, gosh. It's <laughs> the new haircut. <laughs> it is. He doesn't I think need it to is. shave. I should have shaved and got a, a clean cut haircut. Oh, so. yeah. Yeah. Uh, so a decade. A decade has gone by since I first met this uh, this young man. And I'm so proud of the man he's become. And again, you know, I was saying that, look, there's – there is so much out there that we want to be able to share and at the same time having somebody that we can really trust and that also mm -hmm. knows our system because um, there's probably few other people walking this planet that understand the system that i use more than you and also i'd like to have you talk a little bit about what you learned in that system where you started with me and what you got into and just kind of bring us um, up to date for today, what you're up to today. But give people a little bit of history about you. You're obviously a very impressive athlete, and you've done a lot of other impressive things academically as well. So let's just have people have a little bit of a view about who you are, brother. Well, yeah. So, I mean, I wasn't always as impressive as an athlete. I think a lot of that can be attributed to, to Matt. Um, Nope, I, nope, nope, nope. But thank you. No, well, you are actually, an impressive athlete. We only connected the dots, but you are you. You know, talk about talk about what you did as an athlete initially to now, and people understand the spectrum uh, that you have as an athlete. Yeah. So I uh, I actually when I trained with Matt in high school and all through college, I was uh, doing I was long jumping and triple jumping. Um, so a lot of alactic work. Uh, pretty speedy stuff um, and now I am an ultra marathoner which um, <laughs> my I've sort of been liking the 50 mile distance lately so listen in high school when he says a lactic we worked on explosiveness we worked on things that took less than six seconds um, he his sport was that quick I was right? a sprinter yes exactly essentially you were you were the most explosive side of things you even um, in high school, you had gotten to more than twice your body weight in your deadlift, which, by the way, when you need to be that explosive becomes more important. Um, we, we can talk about how that helped you with your explosiveness, but really, even to the point where through college, you had 
a decent amount of success, but really that's when I think things started to switch gears from you. But you were a champion in high school. You still, I believe, own your both state records in those events, and you even went to nationals. But I really respected the fact that in college you came to me and you said, you know, I, I think I'm switching gears, even even though I think a lot of people would just still hang on to well, this is what I trained to do, and I'm not going to switch gears. I'm going to keep going. But you realized that you needed a different challenge, and man, what a different challenge this is. Yeah, you know, I got um, I got pretty burnt out with with long jump. Um, I dealt with a few years of injuries, um, and I just I just needed a new challenge. Um, and I think for for a couple months, we were looking at decathlon that didn't really pan out um so uh, i just started packing on the miles and and uh ultra marathons became a, became, a part of my life <laughs> yeah it became part of your why and i you know i'll just say that when you initially told me because you were training over the summer for the decathlon and uh with us and you uh just said you know matt i think i'm i think i'm done and we had uh we had lunch we talked about it and of course, you know, it's I told you at the time and I meant it, it's not my why, it's yours and it's your decision of course, but in the back of my mind I was like, man, like th- I had so much more respect for you. I was kind of disappointed cuz I wanted to see what you could do in the decathlon, but at the same time I'm like, man, that kid knows who he is. It's so hard to make that kind of decision. I think that was a huge sign of maturity um all the way back from the initial days when I was working with you, brother, and you know, let's just say it. You did not do your protocol every day at no, first. No, right? not at all. You would put in, and you are actually, that's why I say, I may have showed you more of the maps, but but you are and still are one of the most coordinated and natural athletes that I've worked with. And I would say that, look, if you could be more consistent, Ethan, you could be something really spectacular. And, you know, again, a champion, I believe you can be. And you really committed after that. I mean, you really, it was, if anything, I think I was like, okay, I need to pull this kid back enough at times. And so if I told you to do something, I better remember to tell you not to do it anymore if if we don't need to do anymore because you would just keep doing it, right? So that's that's how dedicated. And okay, so the burnout came and we can, college athletics, look, it's kind of like a job at that point, right? I mean, and and that's okay. I mean, you know, some people want to make that commitment, but really, I also felt like you were more of an academic than most. And you really, you went to Pomona. I mean, really good college. Really I had a lot program. of a lot of different priorities being balanced, and uh, my my personal protocol didn't sometimes didn't make the list. Um, and so, you know, my my performances suffered, um, and. And I eventually I burnt out. I had these big waves of like putting in a lot of effort and then needing to spend time on other things and these huge spikes and dips of. Like, right. Yeah. And I think you told me at the time, hey, I think I'm going to try some mountain climbing. I think I'm going to do some rock climbing or something. I'm going to do some hiking. Uh, I mean, you got outdoors and on the trails. And what I'm just suspecting here is, you know, man, like I love being out here. And why don't I run to the next spot? It'll be it'll be fun. Tell me, tell us, how did you get into the ultra side of things then? So, yeah. So when I, when I first had that, that conversation with you where I was, I was 
I told you I was sort of stepping off the track. And I was like, you know, this, uh, I was going into my senior season um, of track and field and I was just like, you know, this isn't for me anymore. Like, so I, I fully planned on just stepping out of running. And I was like, I'm gonna do some rock climbing, some hiking, some backpacking, just like get outside. Um, and and uh, I, I was still, I started running occasionally just to stay in shape. Um, and then occasional running turned into every day and started running longer and longer, hitting the trails for more and more time. And it was just sort of a natural progression. Just found a new passion that way, I guess. Nice. Okay. I mean, that's, see, that's a lesson for, I think, everybody just, you know, finding your own purposes. And this is why I love your story because, man, talk about opposite end of the spectrums. I would never have guessed that you would have done something like that um on your own right just like oh that's my next why literally the under other end of the energy system spectrum for athletes right so but now let's talk just talk a little bit more about even the ultra itself okay so then you decide you're going to start training for like 50 k's and 50 milers right i think i think at first i i didn't even know that's what i was training for I actually just um I think it was one day I was uh up in Seattle visiting some friends um and I had been running maybe 30 40 mile weeks um not really with with any purpose I wasn't really training for anything and I saw this big loop I could do around this lake that ended up being I thought it was going to be around marathon distance and I was like oh give it a try like I've been running a bit I had done a long run that was like 15 miles. I was like, let's let's give marathon distance a, a try. Um, and then when I got to the end of that run, it ended up being 31. Um, so I was like, that's a 50K. I just ran an ultra. Um, and that's, that's sort of how it happened, how my interest got piqued. So let me just say my initial thought on this is people listening, you know, do you want to ever try an ultra or do something? There's, there is positive parts about listening to stories like Ethan's, but the caveat here I want to say is understand that Ethan did a lot of strength training for his triple long jump for decathlon. He even, he even did a fair amount of even distance running, and that was because he's such a good athlete. He even did you know sports like cross country at times. So we want to just talk a little bit about progressions there because – when I talk about strength capacities, and this will happen a lot where I don't necessarily tell people what I might do in a buildup, because with that, we're just going to call it your gym age. With a gym age of really consistently training and getting really ridiculously strong, relatively strong for your body, and you are a lean guy who can uh, deadlift well over 300 pounds even you got to close to 400 pounds at one point so the point to that is like you get stronger to go longer your ability to do that might be a little bit more ramped up than most yeah i i i don't want that to come across as me recommending that people just go out and run 30 <laughs> yeah miles. we should take it was it a more. it was a it was probably a poor decision <laughs> it just you got, you got an extra 16 hours to spend this weekend you go run go run a ultra right yeah, yeah. but listen <clears throat> that's where i i love that you just kind of followed your passion in your heart and you just said like 
why not do this loop, right? I'm just going to go for it. And that's what I will tell people too, is like, look, if you want to be able to have that kind of variability and those kind of options, strength training is that much more reinforced in, in my mind that it really allows you to do the things outside of the gym that you want to be able to do. And even though it can be kind of silly, the progression, you were able to do it. All right. And we'll talk in a minute about how that caught up with you, though, yeah. because that mindset can be dangerous even for you. But um, for the 50 mile, you did run a fastest known time recently. Yep. So I'd, I'd like you to just talk a little bit about that um, with as little experience level as you've had. It's just amazing that you're already at these higher levels. But um, this, I think, is a lot more mindset. So when it comes to ultras especially i think we're talking about a lot less natural ability and a lot more central governor a lot more of that you know willingness to to be uncomfortable being comfortable being uncomfortable for a long period of time so talk a little bit about that fastest known time and how you achieved it yeah so that was about uh, a month ago now um i ran the fastest known time on the mckinsey river trail up in oregon um and it's it's about an hour uh, from my house. Um, it's just sort of a local trail, um, which okay. was exciting to me. Um, I think it's like, it's it's fun to be sort of like the like locally famous. You know, it's not Western states or UTMB, but but it's a lot of fun to just sort of have like a, a local competition. You know, I was telling you, I did a 50 mile race years back, and it was to qualify for Western states. I was able to do that, but I was really just pacing another client who had asked me and it halfway through I was just going to stop and then things were going pretty well so I just <laughs> finished and it worked out but I was like never again and no I'm not going to Western State I wish I had back then it was easier to get into that was 15 years ago or so so man I, I really I didn't get it back then though you know and so uh, I'm looking at Chad over there um, like he's I think just more confused than he's ever been about why anybody would want to run you know that fall yeah well I don't even want to do anything that feels good for that long I mean <laughs> let alone put yourself through that kind of torment I mean I can think of at least one guy no no no, no. no. come no. on no. people no. Uh, no but you think about uh, so uh, Matt and I were talking about this concept a little bit yesterday, uh, and and Bill as well, and that uh, there's this concept in singing where uh, opera is kind of an old person's genre, not just to listen to, but also to perform. And that's because opera uh, music asks a lot of the vocal cords, that muscle. And so most opera singers, the vast majority, are over a certain age because it takes them that long to build the base strength of their muscle so that they can perform this really hard music for as long as they have to perform. It's like three, four, five hours that they're singing all this German or whatever. And so uh, thinking about running in the same way, it seems like ultra marathons or ultra running is kind of that same concept where – um, you know, you really have to put in not necessarily a lot of miles per week, but over a lifetime, you put in a bunch of miles and maybe a bunch of training so that you can force yourself to run 50, 100, 
150 miles, whatever. But here you, this whippersnapper, coming in at the ripe old age of 23 and doing something like setting a record, fastest known time on a trail like that. I, I, I mean, that's, you know, obviously there are outliers and that speaks to a lot. Uh, about you as an individual, Ethan, for sure. But uh, I mean, there's got to be, there's got to be something else behind that too. I think, yeah, I, I think for me, it's it's if you think it's crazy, then then when you get out there, it's gonna feel crazy. Mm-hmm. And I just try not to think about it like that. Like, I just, you know, I try to just like believe in my body and and if that's a trail I want to do, like I'll get out there and I'll do it. I'll do the best I can. Yeah. Like when I set out for that, that fastest known time, I was ready to spend all day out there. Like it didn't really matter to me. I could have come in in 24 hours or, or eight hours. It didn't really matter. Like I, I just wanted to see what my body could do on that trail. So you just explained a very important why to me, because the old coach in me would have said, 23-year-old training for an ultra, you know, I used to really down-talk that stuff because I'm thinking to myself, look, get your fastest 10Ks in, then move up eventually to the half, go to the marathon. By the time you're in your mid-30s, now you can peak out in the ultra, right? Yeah. So I'm only looking at a like performance standpoint, how to maximize somebody's abilities, right? But then more and more so now younger guys with a lot of talent a lot of ability that can run let's say under certainly 230 for a marathon they are choosing to the ultras instead and you just explained why and i'm starting to understand that but that's why i would say as a coach people have asked me actually about you like do you think you should be doing that you know and i said yeah absolutely you should be doing that because it's for his it's his mental health He's addressing his mental health first and foremost, and I couldn't be prouder. And then it looks anyways like it's a crazy event to do, but even uh, I'm my plan is to get into um, the 50K to 50 milers and you know maybe do the occasional 100 mile for something like Western States, and it's just like the event. I've always kind of had it and fantasized in my mind, right? Confessions of an all-night runner. I've been thinking about that ever since I read it, right? So, you know, that's where I look at a little bit more uh, why. And I, I think for me, what got me into it, and this might, this might relate to some of the older listeners, but, you know, I've run my fastest 5K, 10Ks marathon. Like, there's, those, those things are not going to get better for me. Um, but when I can set myself up in an ultra, I have new PRs to go after. I have new things that I can challenge myself with. And honestly, performance standpoint wise, that's kind of why I was switching up in my mind to do something I could be really competitive in. But then when COVID hit, what happened is, okay, gym shut down at the time. We didn't even have this R3 program plan yet. It was like, okay, I'm not doing brick and mortar. I've been talking about online for years. I have some time to think about what I want to do now, right? So. Um, thankfully I have a really good wife that's really good with our numbers and so uh, that gave me the freedom to say I can shut the gym down and I can move forward with these things 
but what that gave me initially was time to go out and just run and not think and what happened to me was very similar to you it's like i wasn't thinking about how i would place in a 50k one day i just was like i have i have plenty of time today oh my gosh i could actually be out here all day if i want to be and before i knew it that's what i was doing yeah. just because i loved it so much and man i couldn't i couldn't wait to go on that that next epic run i think that's that's really the fun thing about trail running is that um every trail is different there are no standards you know and every day on the trail is different so like i can't really compare what i did out there to what other people do out there even on the same trail like it's just it's a different day um and i just love that so much um because i had like the day i was out there was was a difficult day it was really hot in the late sections um and I, I had a close run-in with a bear. Did I tell you about no. it? Oh, my God, no. Yeah, Let's I, talk about that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so at, at mile 50, I came around a corner, and I was kind of delirious at this point. I mean, I'd been zoned out for hours. Because um, the, the, your course you ran was actually, what, 52 miles? It was 53 miles, 53. Um, marathon out, marathon back. Um, and Why not? <laughs> 10,000 feet of gain. <laughs> um, and so at mile, I think at mile 51, mile 50, 51, um, I came around a corner and there was, there was a big black bear on the trail and I just ran right past it. I just, st- I stepped around it and just ran Whoa. past. Were, did you, were in, you thinking, is this even real? Were you getting that delusional? <laughs> I, I didn't even, it took me, it took me about five minutes to process what had happened. Wow. I had just been, you know, one foot after another for, uh-huh. for eight hours at this point And. I just came around the, the, the corner and it was just, you know, one foot after another. And I just, it just stepped off the trail. You didn't, we, did we, you look back? We, no, I didn't even look back. We went our separate ways. It was, <laughs> oh my God. Um, and you know, like the, the trails are like that. You just, this could have been a different story, Ethan. I, I don't know. I, I, I think there was a, a lot of mutual respect there. We just, uh, you know. I, I had a great day out there on the trail. Um, <laughs> I, I, yeah, it sounds. I mean, maybe the bear was just like, nah. I, did, I saw another dude with another fifty pounds yeah. on him. I'll get that guy. <laughs> this guy's my toothpick. After I don't know. He didn't. I think I I didn't give him much attention, and he didn't give me much attention. Yeah, we just you know. Yeah. No, that's that's yeah, it's amazing. And so you know, I mean, I I don't have um, a bear story. I've I have run into a mountain lion, um, and you know that's although it's scary and stuff that is honestly a part of my experience out there in the mountains to say man like how many people have ever seen a mountain lion in action he was actually uh stalking um a deer and i was coming around the corner in the marin headlands the my theory is that the remember this chad this yeah, is back yeah, in I our do AmeriCorps remember days this. yep um, so I wasn't training for ultras back then, but I was doing marathons and I would do, um, I always believe in trail training for overall strength and proprioception and just giving your foot different landing points. It actually, I think keeps runners a lot healthier, especially if you're doing a lot of road work, right? So I, I get in that one long trail run, um, usually every weekend. And so I come around the corner and I think what happened was the ocean breeze took my scent away. And then all of a sudden I was there and I kind of surprised him. And he looks over and it's probably within 10 feet and he looks over at me and then I could see the deer, the deer scatter off and everything. 
And, you know, she's like, oh, man, you just messed with my dinner. And uh, so I just went instinct. First thing I'd read, make yourself as big as you can and, you know, that kind of stuff. And he thankfully reversed when it was a pretty steep trail. So he went up into the bushes. The thing I was worried about there is, is he perched now up in the bushes and just literally jump on me when I come by. Right. But but again, I was by that point, I was out there pretty far. And the decisions you make, because just the way the route worked, guys, is that if I turned around, I was going to have a much longer run that day than I intended. But I had to just close the loop at that point. And I had maybe five more miles to go if I just kept going. And I just kept going. That was a scary moment. So anyway, but we do want to talk about basically what happened since that fkt time you had your final race this season you're getting ready for i think the ego caught up with you okay and you are now dealing with an injury and i want to just i like this transparency because even somebody as strong as you we alluded to it before can make mistakes i wrote a plan for you you didn't exactly follow that plan and that's okay because it's not my choice it's yours but you got excited, and so let's uh, first say that Ethan was adjusted to be able to go to 70-mile weeks at this point. And so we had him basically on a 70-mile week. And then what did you do, my friend? Well, I, I mean, I'd like to say I stuck pretty close to your training. Yep, and then what did you do? One one crucial detail, <laughs> which was... I Put your took, hand out. I got my ruler. <laughs> I took my recovery day um, to fast pack a 47-mile a trail. Um, and so that added. What is fast pack, just so people know? So I, I had all my backpacking gear. Um, I was mostly walking, ran some of the downhills. Um, but I had all my backpacking gear on me um, and, and walked the trail pretty okay. fast. How many miles? 47 miles 47 miles on top of a 70 mile week right chad i mean i mean what the what what the what that's an increase of over 50 percent i mean let's uh, training that one week what happened i i got injured you do i i got injured (laughs) put your hand out um so i I don't know i'd say you got injured but you your knee started hurting yeah this was all after Yep. After the trail. And yep. I think part of it is, um, you know, you put in enough volume and it can start to feel like you're invincible. Like I, I have, uh, my mobility is great. My strength is great. I had put in a lot of volume. I ran a great 50 miler and it just, I never took a step back to be like, my body won't put up with everything I throw at it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you did take, I feel like a smart regression after the 50 miler. You did, you did some cross training and stuff and you went into your final progression, I think pretty healthy, um, just needing to work on a few other things. One thing I will say with you is because you do have the history here, um, with strength training with, with me and you've stayed very fit over the years. Um, we had you doing just the same exact program we have online. In fact, that's why you contacted us because you were doing the program and you really enjoyed it and you really wanted to be more of a part of it. So great. But um, 
the programs, the progressions, really, we try to get people to do our progressions in order so that when you get to championship season, you are a little bit more bulletproof. So you saw John Hodges yesterday, the PT that, uh, to me, he's one of the world's best PTs, period. He happens to be a good friend of mine and works with me with athletes here in Reno. Um, John uh, just basically put you through some testing, was pretty amazed at all the things that you could already do. And he's like, man, we, uh, you know, sometimes it's hard with your athletes, Matt, because, you know, they're already so strong and I can't find some of those easy boulders. I got to get more granular. But essentially what we said is, okay, there are some slight deficits here that need to be addressed and that is still in your program but it is just you're actually in the the you're in the session behind those sessions yeah. so sometimes you just can't rush that process and so you just that's what i feel like you will be getting through enough by the time you're in your championship races next year you'll have all that under your belt right but that being said with the ego let's just finish up with what did you learn here about ego what did you learn i know that you and john had a really good talk and this is something that we think a lot of people can hear and apply to themselves yeah so this is something that like has been it's been part of my process for ultra running since the beginning is is getting rid of those voices in your head that say you should be able to do this and i think i think i i have had a bad habit in the past of having those thoughts being like I should be able to do this training I should be able to do this workout and and perform in this way um, and and sometimes you just got to set all that to the side and be like I'm I can run a 10 mile week and still be an ultra runner like that's like I just because I can run just because I can put in 110 miles in a week doesn't mean doesn't mean I should. And um, yeah, I think just just setting aside the ego and and um, taking a step back to recover sometimes. Yeah, that's right. So we have protocol for your knee, and really, John was saying, "Hey, look, you know, this is he's on the right track. It's more about now looking at how much running you should be doing, if at all." So. To conclude with this, I'll share with people that I have a concept that I um, worked on with coaches like Bobby McGee and Jim Vance and, and uh, you know, really looking a lot more at getting in your running while you're doing this rehab. But because you want to do what you love and you want to you want to be able to at least do that a couple times a week as opposed to saying I'm just going to have to take like a month off. So we found a set point for you. And that set point is 15 minutes of running before the knee starts bothering you. Yeah. So what we look at here is, okay, let's just go short of that set point. Okay. And so when we say that, we can throw in fractionalized running here. So that means that we can run for four minutes and walk for a minute. Okay. And so in that four minutes of running, if we look at that, we can say we can do three sets, right? That's 12 minutes of running that is below your set point for sure, especially with the walking breaks in between. By the way, one minute of walking, it's just enough time, but not so much that your heart rate is coming down 
too far and you're essentially cooling down too much and then you get plenty of time to really work on just the coordination and the effects you want from getting in that running in and going to your protocol when you connect the dots now when you're running for shorter periods of time and you're holding good form by connecting those dots with your protocol every step makes you stronger in that capacity for your knee so that's an important point to cover is that you'll do your protocol first then the four ones but we'll start off by doing that on monday and thursday and we'll do that twice in the first week and then we will look at adding frequency so we'll try monday thursday saturday and then we will start to slowly ramp up the frequency in other words first so then we start maybe going monday tuesday right and then we go take wednesday off go thursday friday right and there's four times right um what are you doing in the meantime is you're taking that extra time you have to cross train we talked about swimming as being a great option especially because it's going to address your ego because you won't be as good at swimming so you don't have any times to try to beat you don't have a distance to go for and it is a different demand um, i love the fact that swimming you're essentially water is a thousand times denser than air so you're essentially getting really good strength and lengthening in with the swimming but there's no impact obviously and there's some other things we talked about sled sprints that you can do um, other cross training obviously that you can do that's non-impact but in your case the biking's not the best thing so we're just talking about what those options are and giving you guys an example about how we would ramp back up and then once we got the frequency back to where we want it, and for you, that's going to be six days a week, then we start tacking on more volume on top of that slowly until you're back where you want to be, okay? And, it's, um, and, and you get to that final race just being feeling that you now, again, what should I be able to do compared to my FKT time or something? No, but I can get this race done today safely, effectively without my knee hurting. And that would be the goal. And then restore, shut it down, get ready for next year. And in that time, really go after and address your base strength and really build that up as much as you can. And that's what I look forward to in 2022 is having the best year ever, but with more of that base work done before you build up again. Yeah, sounds like a plan. Yeah, no, I like that. So ego guys, I mean, let's, uh, let's really take a look at ourselves and what we think we should be doing. I think that was perfect, Ethan, versus what we, what we think that um, our past or our present is dictating uh, what we think that is what we can do I think is the the better way to think of things so what can I do today what can I do so that tomorrow is better exactly that's great I don't know if you guys know but you can do something today that will make your tomorrow better you can go to pendolaproject.com sign up for our relative run readiness program online it's beautiful it's fantastic we've got macro progression one up it's a whole year of training just for you you can follow us on the instagrams and the facebooks and even twitter we're on twitter I don't, although i don't think anything goes up on there it's pendola project just find us there and uh thanks everybody